Jeremiah, if you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, pursuing Christ. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, familiar portion of scripture. Many times we use chapter 11, but chapter 13 is also a part of that great passage. We don't want to stop with 11. Beginning to read in verse 10, for thus says the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word unto you in causing you to return to this place. The context is, God has told Nehemiah, Israel's going to go into bondage. But the good news is they weren't going to stay there. In 70 years, God would visit them, and he told him 70 years, even before they went, he told them what was going to happen when he got ready to bring them back out. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your hearts. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. If you love the word of God, say amen. For text, I want to speak for a few moments on verse number 13. And you shall seek me and find me. And when you search for me with all of your hearts. I believe this morning that in this hour, the Holy Spirit is calling out to us. He's calling out to his church. He's calling out to people all over the world. Just not in Knoxville, in Des Moines, in Iowa, but in Germany and in the Philippines and in India and all over the world this morning. God is speaking out to his people in this moment of time. And he's stirring something up in our hearts that we might... Because to seek for Jesus in a fresh way. Somebody say fresh way. It isn't that we don't have a relationship with Jesus. But God wants to do something new. God wants to do something fresh. And for him to do that, he has to move within our hearts. He has to help us become hungry again for the things of the Lord. He has to, he has to, uh, if, if we're satisfied with the status quo, God wants to shake that up in this moment of time. He wants us to be hungry. He wants us to be seeking and searching for him because God wants to do a new thing. God wants to do another thing in our lives. For only when we find him and know him will our hearts be satisfied. Men seek after many things that this world offers. These things will many times bring us a temporary sense of satisfaction and accomplishment, but they soon lose their power to satisfy our hearts. Worldly position, worldly power, worldly possessions, you know, we search for them and we reach for them and we obtain them and they satisfy us for a moment of time, but they soon lose their glitter and their luster. And we find ourselves in a place of discontent. Hmm. 
Think about Solomon and all of his accomplishments. The wisest man that ever lived other than Christ himself. The the mighty building program, the buildings that he built, and all of those wonderful things, the wisdom. But they could not satisfy his heart. As great as what his accomplishments were, they could not satisfy the heart of Solomon. Scripture says he had 700 wives, and that wasn't enough. You can do with that what you want to do with it. (laughs) What I know is that he cried out, Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. All all of this, it, it doesn't mean anything. Why? Because it didn't satisfy his heart. It didn't leave him satisfied within his heart. And I want you to know this morning... That only Christ can satisfy our hearts. Only Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, can satisfy the hearts that are in men this morning. Only Jesus can satisfy his church this morning. What, what, what's it mean when we say to pursue him and to search for him and to seek him? What is it that he's wanting us to do? I think that we seek him that we might find him. And by that, I believe God wants to bring us into a place. God wants to cause us to be hungry and and connect with him in a fresh way within our hearts and lives that we're aware on a daily basis, even on a moment-to-moment basis, the presence of the Lord that's with us. We We have encounters with God. We have experiences with God. But God wants that relationship to deepen to where that becomes a lifestyle in his church. He wants us to, to, to live in his presence and be aware of his presence. We seek him that we might know him, that we might have a revelation of his purpose for us and, and what he has for us within our lives because God has a plan and God has a purpose for every one of us in this room this morning. So I want to share with you four thoughts this morning about pursuing Christ. First, we're pursuing a person. Somebody say a person. The first thing we have to understand is we are pursuing the person of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. The scripture says that Jesus came and, and, and he called men to be with him. And the Bible says that they left their nets and they followed him. They left their nets and they followed. You see, these men that he called, they already knew about the temple. They made trips there every year to the great feast days to keep the feast. They came often to their synagogues in their local communities. I'm sure they prayed together. They heard the reading of the word of God in that synagogue. They knew the Torah. They knew the law of God. They had been taught that law before their bar mitzvahs. Hallelujah. They knew the teachings of the rabbis that traveled among them, but their lives began to change when they began to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you want change in your life? Are you hungry for change in your life? Do you live your life with the, with the, with the idea and the attitude there has to be more than this to life? 
then I want you to know that we need to have an encounter with the living God in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. We need to be, we get, we need to get to know him in such a way that we know that he is with us and his presence abides with us. We, we need to have a relationship with us to where he's leading and guiding us. Somebody say hallelujah. Because then when we find him in Mark's gospel chapter three, Verse number 14, the scripture talks to us about that we're called to be in his presence. Mark 3. Turn there with me. Mark 3. Verse number 14. And he ordained 12. Or he called 12. He called, he called 12. He called others, but first he called the 12 and he called, he called them that they should be with him. Just not know about him, but be with him, because when they were with him, after they were with him, he would be able to send them out with power to preach and to do the works of the kingdom of God. He calls us today. He's still calling people. He called me. It still shocks me that he called me. And he called you. And he's, and he's calling people in Knoxville this morning. He calls us first to be with him. He calls us to come and to be with him because when we're with him, our world will change. Our lives will change. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll, we'll begin to understand him and understand his kingdom. And he will. Imp- and then after we've been with him a while and after we come to an understanding, he'll send us out to preach and to proclaim to do the works of the kingdom of God. We, but notice the key to that is being with him. There's many that are called. <clears throat> and before they really get to know him, they run, they run off and go out to try to do something. And usually <clears throat> that doesn't work out very well. People get discouraged and they come home defeated. No, we have to be with, we have to, he has to call us and then we have to be with him. And then somebody say then. We can go out and do the works of the kingdom. In Luke's gospel, chapter 10, you know the story, verses 38 through 42, Mary and Martha. Martha was busy and with, with the work. But notice, Jesus came to her house. It was her house that she was busy in. I, you know, we don't need to be too hard on Martha. Sometimes Martha's all bad. No, there's a lot of good in Martha. You know, she needed a little fine-tuning. And Jesus is just the one to fine-tune our lives. Hallelujah. He, he, he can take care of us. And, 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 you know, and Mary's there and Martha wants Mary to come and help because she seems swamped and overwhelmed with what's going on. And, and Jesus said this, that he wasn't going to take that away because Mary had chosen the one thing Jesus said that was needful. The, if you're reading out of an author, the old King James, it says it was needful. I found this to be true. Many things in life are helpful to us. And many things are beneficial for us. But only one thing is needful. There's only one thing that all of us have to have. And there's only one thing that we really need. And it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. So we're seeking a person. 
and we're going we're to seek him and we're going to find him and we're going to be with him. And then the next thing that we see is that he's going to use us because the second thing we understand is he has a plan for us. As you're with him, he begins to reveal a plan. Somebody say a plan. John 8, the scripture says to verse 30 through 32, to those that believed, he says, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples only. You know. And when, and when, and when his word comes, we find truth and, and with truth, we find, come to understanding and revelation and what does God have for us in our lives. We can read in John 21, verses 15 through 22, we can read about how, you know, Peter had denied the Lord and he'd gone on to Galilee and he'd waited a while for the Lord. The, the women had told him to tell Peter the Lord's going to come and it had been a while and I guess maybe Peter thought, I blew it. My, my failure was too great. He won't be able to use me anymore. And he said, I'm going fishing. Now, he wasn't going fishing just to get away from it all. He was, what it really meant was he's going back to the business of fishing. I'm not going to, God can't use me the way he wanted to use me, but I'll go back to my old business. And the problem is, is when anybody goes back, he always takes some other people with him. And Peter took some of the other disciples with him. That's the, that's the great danger there. And Jesus shows up now to Galilee. They're out there trying to catch fish and there aren't any fish. And Jesus, have you got any fish, boys? And, uh, no, we didn't catch anything. Well, I got fish cooking on the fire here. Why don't you come in? And, and they knew it was the Lord and they come in, you know, the story and, Jesus talks to Peter about, do you love me, Peter? And I mean, he really deals with his heart issues and he gets Peter in a place to where he restores him to the kingdom and to the work that he has for him within his life. And, and he, te- and he tells him about the death that he's going to die. He's, that he, he, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't, when there's difficulty, he'll tell you it's going to be difficult, but that's okay. I'm going to be with you too. And, you know, so he, Peter's restored and he looks at John. What's he going to do? Now, Jesus, Peter, could, I mean, Peter's an amazing guy. He could do the most marvelous things and he can put his foot in his mouth two seconds later. You know, and here's Jesus. You know, he's 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 getting him back and getting him ready to for what's going to take place here on the day of Pentecost. But he's going to have to preach a sermon that's going to bring five thousand people to the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, and here's Peter. He's concerned about John. What's he going to do? And Jesus has to tell him, you know, what's that to you? It doesn't matter what I want him to do. You do what I told you to do, Peter. Quit worrying. That's your problem, Peter. You're worrying too much about the other guy, not about yourself. Hallelujah. Which just tells us this. God has a plan for us all. He had a plan for Peter. He had a plan for John. Their plans weren't the same. They were going to do different things in their lives. Peter's a bold, brash. I mean, he's a leader among leaders. John's tender-hearted and soft and young, and he's going to be a pastor to pastors. And but that tender heart's going to let him be used on the Isle of Patmos, and God's going to pour the revelation into him that He's going to leave for us. In Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse number fifteen, the Scripture says that He gives to every one of us 
talents and abilities and spirit, both spiritual and natural resources. And he gives us a place to use those for the kingdom. You see, that's our, we've got to find God's plan. If you want satisfaction in your life, you want to be satisfied, you have to find what God has for you. And then give yourself to it. I think about my mother. 1973, Mama was hungry for God. I wasn't saved yet. Thank God Mama got hungry for God and, and prayed till I came in. You know, it's hard. Listen, Tommy Barnett says he's got a sermon that he, uh, that he preaches on roadblocks on the w- way to hell. And uh, one of the greatest of those roadblocks is a mother's prayers. I thank God that my mama got between me and hell. And the result of that was I came to Jesus. But mother had been, was hungry and she wanted to do something and they were walking the beans. And the Lord kept dealing with her about doing something with the widows in that, over there at Melcher in Dallas. And, uh, she talked to dad. Dad said, it's okay with him. She talked to her pastor, a man that she considered her pastor, and she had his blessing. So she made two posters, put one up in Flanagan's grocery store and the other one in, in the old fees market. You know, because of, because of what Jesus has done for me and his great love for me, if you need help, I'll come and help you. She had six, she was, and it was addressed to the widows in the town. You know, mom spent the next, she, mother would have been 51 years old. Mother spent the next 37 years faithfully taking care of widows. She never tried to get any place else, never tried to do anything else. It was what God gave her to do, and she did it. Hallelujah. It was amazing. You know, Tuesdays was ministry day. In 1980, Dad bought her that white Cadillac car. There's a story in that, and I don't have time for it. But she'd, she would get her mop bucket, a scrub bucket, and put her cleaning supplies and her Bible, and Mother would bake. She was a fine baker, and she'd bake especially rolls, and she'd take rolls, She'd take bread for the, for the natural man and she'd take bread for the spiritual man and she'd take, and she'd take the widows to the, to the grocery store and she would take them to, up to, to the bank and if the doctor's appointments and, and some of them couldn't clean, do the quote deep cleaning. What's that? I don't know. Deep cleaning in their house, but they'd do that. You know, what the, the point, the point that I'm trying to make. God just used mom the way she was. She was a great baker. She kept an, she, she kept a clean house. She loved the word of God. See, he, he just took mom and used her the way that she was. She found God's plan. And that's what God wants to do in your life. You have talents and abilities just like my mother had. And God wants to sanctify them and give you a place to use them, set you apart, and make you a blessing with those things. Mom was a blessing. There's a reason why my mother lived to be 99 years old. One of them is, is because she didn't live for herself. She lived for other people. 
Listen, she outlived all those widows. They were all in the nursing home and she was still at home. Amen. She found her plan. That's what I would want for you, that you would find God's plan for you. Whatever it is that God has for you, that you would find it. Third, third, <laughs> we're, we're pursuing his promises. You see, we, we, we pursue a person, we pursue his plan, and then he gave us promises in relationship to that plan. In Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20, he gives us work to do. He gave my, he told my mother to take care of those widows. He called Pastor Brady here to take care of this church. He called me to Des Moines to take care of Kingsway Fellowship. And the, and the list goes on and on. He calls people and he uses. He, he gave, in, in Matthew chapter, he gives us work to do, but listen to this. He promises to always be with us. Now we, let me just stop and camp here for a minute. We need to get around that. You see, how can it be, how can it be beneath us? How could it be beneath my mother to go and scrub widows' homes when Jesus said, Audrey, if you do that, I'm going to be with you? She didn't go alone. She went with Jesus. It doesn't matter what the Lord gives us to do. How can it be beneath us? To, no matter how great or how small the task, how can it be beneath us to think that, you know, that's just so insignificant. I don't want that. How can we ever have that attitude when you understand that whatever he asks us to do, he goes with us? That was his promise. I'm giving you work to do, and by the way, I'm going with you to the end of the age. I like that. I've been in some places overseas in the last 30 or 40 years of my life. I'm glad he was with me. I wasn't always sure I was going to get out of there. Somebody say amen. See, so first he, he gives us work and he promises he'll be with us. Then in John 15 and 4, he promises to abide with us. And if we will abide with him, he will make us fruitful. Somebody say fruitful. You'll begin to bear fruit. You'll begin to make a difference. I want to be a difference maker. Amen? I believe you want to be a difference maker. I believe this church is a difference maker in Knoxville, Iowa, and in the surrounding area. I believe the people of this church want to be difference makers. And the way we can be difference makers is to abide with him and let him abide with us and just walk daily with him and obey him, and we'll become fruitful in our lives. The third thing that I know, the third promise he makes is that we find in Luke ten eighteen and 19. He said, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus promises to give us power so that we can continue to do his work. His work can continue to be done in all the world. Did you know this morning that the work of Jesus isn't done? His redemptive work is, now listen to me, his redemptive work, what needs to be done for men to be saved was finished at the cross. But his work in reaching people and helping people and blessing people has not been done. Say, are you sure? Yeah, I read Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, of all the things that Jesus began 
to do and to teach. Now, if you, it, when you begin to do something, is it finished? Hello? No, it's not finished. We're continuing to do the works of Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. And we won't be defeated. Because we don't labor in our strength, but we labor in his strength and in his power. Amen. So he gives us work and and he says, I'm going to be with you. He says, if you abide with me, I'll make you to be fruitful. He says, I'm giving you power over all the power of the enemy and you, you won't be hurt in doing this work. And then in John 14, verses 1 and 3, Jesus said, that I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come again so that where you are, there I'll be also. He's promised us that he's gone to prepare a place for us. And when our work is finished, he will come for us so that we can be with him in that place that he's preparing for us. Hmm. Home. Somebody say home. There's something about going home. There's something about coming back here to be with you this morning, to be among people that were a part of our life when I was in my 30s. I'm almost 80. But way back there, we met and started on a journey together, some of us. Hallelujah. You know, when you come home, there's always something about going home to my parents' home, wherever they were at. I remember when our daughters, in 1983, both of my daughters were gone to college to Raymond. And uh, after they went to school that fall, we moved to Audubon to take our first pastorate out there. And they came home, and it was hard for them because they didn't come back to the house. They weren't coming to a place that they knew, and they struggled with that a little bit. And I told them, I said, I said Terry and Robin, I said, home isn't a, home is not a building. It's your home. You're home with us. Wherever we're at is always going to be home for you. Cause we're your mom and we're your dad. You know, and home for us will be where Jesus is at. We don't have to be afraid of what lies ahead of us. No, we rather need to be kind of excited about it. <laughs> My mother was. You know, about, <laughs> In about 2010, she had a surgery, had a rupture, had to have emergency surgery out here. We were at the lake, got a phone call, so we came. And I, they, they operated on mom about 6 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and so I sent the rest of them home. I'll, I'll stay here tonight, and, and I'll just stay with mom through the night, and you guys come in the morning, and I'll go home. And about four o'clock, mom roused and came up and she looked up at me that morning and she said, what are you doing here? Really? I mean, what are you doing here? I said, well, mom, you had surgery yesterday evening. I came to be with you. She said, I thought I was going to heaven. I wanted to see Jesus and dad. Listen, she wasn't excited at all about seeing me. You know, but home, mama thought she was going home. Home's where Jesus is at. 
That's his promise. Is that when we finished his work and when we finished his plan, we're going to go home. To a home we've never been. To a home we've never seen. But we're going home someday. One last prize. One last prize, and I'll let your pastor come. Fourth, we're pursuing his prize. Somebody say prize. You say, what is that? Well, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Verse 21. It's the parable of the talents. Jesus is examining his disciples, his workers. And his Lord, that's Jesus, said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. I want you to know, I, I believe that the great prize of the Christian life, I believe that the great reward of the Christian's life will be to stand in his presence and to hear him say, for him to look at our lives and examine our lives and consider what we've done with our lives, for him to look upon our lives and to hear him say, well done, Thou good and thou faithful servant, enter thou into the joys of the Lord. We labor to be pleasing to him. Because I don't know what was in that man's heart, but I someday I, I, I know I'm going to stand in the presence of Jesus. And I know someday he's going to look at my life and what I've done with my life over these last 47 years and whatever time he has left to give us. When I stand there, I, above everything else, I want Jesus to be able to say to me, I want to have lived my life and I want to have conducted my ministry in such a way. I want to have done the things that he wants me to do in the way that he wanted me to do it, that somehow that he could find something in me that he could say, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. To be pleasing to Jesus. That's what I want. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him. All through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask is to be like Him. Sing it with me. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him. All through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask is to be like Him. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641 
828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.